Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Nuria martinez Keel, And I'm Dale Denwalt. You're listening to The Source. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them. As we approach one year living with COVID-19, a massive group of Oklahomans are now eligible for their ticket to freedom, a vaccination from the virus that's killed thousands of people in the state. This week, we're joined by health reporter Dana Brannan, who also happens to be the Oklahomans' newest employee. Since coming on board, she's dived right into the coronavirus epidemic and specifically the vaccine rollout. Thanks for being here, Dana. Thanks for having me. This week, you wrote about mass vaccination events held in Norman for the latest group of phase two recipients. Who exactly is in this group and how many people are getting their first shot? So a lot of people just became eligible to get the COVID-19 vaccine in Oklahoma. Um, Just recently on Monday, we added um, teachers um, from pre-K through 12th grade and support staff for those grades as well, Um, as well as people 16 through 64 with certain health conditions that could put them at a greater risk for being hospitalized or dying if they were to get COVID. the, the people who've been eligible before are also still eligible. Um, we're not excluding any groups who were previously able to get the vaccine. Um, so combining those two new groups that we've added, it's over a million people are now eligible to get their vaccines in Oklahoma. Um, so a very big group. Dana, is there enough vaccine available for all of these people? No, definitely not. Um, Because this is such a big group of people um, that have been uh, newly added to the the list of people eligible, it's going to take some time to get through that list and then move on to um, other phases of the vaccine rollout. Uh, What we're hearing from health officials is that um, demand for these vaccines is is way outstripping the supply that they have. And so they're hoping on more allocations. Um, I think the news of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine maybe coming online uh, soon it could, could offer some relief there. But for now, uh, lots and lots of people who want the vaccine and, and just a relatively small number of appointments. So I'm, I'm curious, what qualifies as a comorbidity that that could make someone eligible at any age for the vaccine right now? Definitely. So there's a pretty good list of of different health conditions that are going to make you eligible to get the vaccine now. Um, That includes asthma, um, different types of cancer, cardiovascular disease, chronic kidney disease, chronic liver or renal disease, um, lung disease, diabetes is a big one, um, heart disease, high blood pressure um, or hypertension, um, obesity or, or something else that might suppress your immune system. Down syndrome is also on the list. Um, And that list also isn't exhaustive. If you have a health condition that is going to put you at greater uh, risk for um, a serious outcome if you were to get COVID, um, you'll be eligible for that as well. 
Now, is there a way for the people giving out these uh, these COVID vaccines? Is there a way for them to to verify if you are actually in this part of phase two? Uh, do you have to bring a doctor's note? You don't. Um, this is operating on the honor system. So um, when you, if you go to the state vaccine scheduling portal for Oklahoma, you're going to go through a list where it's going to ask you some questions about your occupation. So if you are a teacher, if you're a first responder, um, something like that, you, you would check that box. You're also going to be asked if you have any of these health conditions that could put you at greater risk. Um, and so when you check that box, that, that is you attesting that, um, that this is true, that you do have one of these conditions. Uh, but no, they're not going to be checking you at the door. Um, I got to see some of the, the vaccine um, clinics on Monday, and they're trying to run these operations very quickly. So there's, there's not time for that. Um, and they're really just trying to, they're trusting people to be honest and trying to get this done efficiently. But you still need to be a resident of the state of Oklahoma. You sure do. Yes. And so they'll they'll verify things like your age, like um, you'll provide your birth date and your name and things like that um, and, and proof of your residence. Um, and that, I think, is also done through the scheduling portal. But no, no doctor's note. You don't have to bring um, proof of, of your health condition. Do state officials know how long it's going to take to vaccinate the rest of phase two? I mean, I imagine it would take quite a a long time to get through over a million people. No, I don't think we've gotten a specific estimate for how long this this phase might take from health officials. Um, We've definitely heard them urging people to be patient um, because it is so many people and it is going to take a while. Um, And I will just mention that they opened up eligibility for this new group before finishing the previous group. So it it may be a situation where um, the next phase is opened up before 1 million people uh, or 1 million plus people in this current group are vaccinated all the way. Now, it's it's pretty heartwarming to see so many people going out and getting their their vaccination. And even I I think some of the the infection rates falling uh, can be uh, accurately attributed to more and more people getting the vaccine. However, there's there's some new threats out there, right? Uh, We've got uh, some variants of COVID-19 that have been detected in Oklahoma. Uh, Does that create a particular uh, or a special challenge for health officials? Yes. Um, so the the issue with variants, um, and, and you'll hear about some of these common variants, um, you'll hear about the South African one, um, the British one, um, and the Brazilian one. Um, we've, we've heard from state health officials that the um, Brazilian one and the British one, and these are just, the, that refers to where they first emerged, um, that those are in Oklahoma. Um, the the trouble with these variants is that they're thought to be spread more easily, so um, they're more contagious. And the trouble with that is that we, we are seeing good progress where new cases are going down and hospitalizations are going down. And so you don't want this um, this new variant to come into your community that's that's recovering and, and change things up and, and really take hold and spread quickly. Um, that could just place a big strain on hospitals, which we know have been uh, very taxed during the, the course of this pandemic. Um, 
And so that's that's the real issue with variants is we're still learning about them, but we know that they are likely more transmissible. Um, and we we want to make sure that that we're not going to see another wave of, of the virus crop up here. And, and I think some of these variants and, and forgive me if, if this hasn't been part of your coverage, but some of these variants um, are equally responsive or similarly responsive to the vaccine and that the vaccines are similarly effective against them. And then some of them uh, might be a little bit more resistant, at least in, in what some early trials might have indicated. What's what's your knowledge about that and, and how effective our current vaccines might be against these variants? So I, I was hearing from um, health officials and experts um, this past week that um, at least with the British variant and the South African variant, those are similar enough to the predominant strain um, here in the U.S. that that the vaccines will still work against them, that the, the ones that we have on the market will still be effective. I think there are some questions about how effectively the vaccines that we've got now could treat um, the Brazilian variant, um, and that's one of the ones that have been identified here. Um, I think it has to do with a, a little bit of a difference in how the that that um, variant is structured. Um, so that's a concern, and we don't know a whole lot about that yet. Dana, you've also covered the racial disparity in the Oklahomans who have been vaccinated and those who have not. Um, what does that disparity look like when it falls along the racial lines. So we do have some data from the state health department that shows us um, the the breakdown by race of people who have been vaccinated. And so when you're looking at um, the the people who've been fully vaccinated, they've gotten both of their doses, about 3% of those people are black um, compared to upwards of 70% who are white. And then you do also have this chunk um, of, of people who are of an unknown race. We don't have data on what race they are, and that's about 16, 17%. Um, so you can see, and we've heard from community leaders um, recently calling attention to these statistics, and they're really calling for more outreach into communities of color to make sure that vaccines are not, um, not limited, that communities of color will have access to the vaccine. Dana, one of my, just a quick question for you. One of my um, favorite stories that you've done recently is just kind of a man on the street piece, just talking with all of the different people who have gotten the vaccine. I think kind of like Dale referenced earlier in the podcast, some called it, you know, a ticket to freedom, that there is just this sense of relief to see so many people starting to get on this track toward being vaccinated. Uh, just what were you hearing from the Oklahomans who were finally able to get their doses of the vaccine? What what was the, the, the feeling among them? I would describe it as a big sense of relief is what I was hearing from a lot of people. Um, and it's it was great to cover something hopeful, where people were happy and excited. Um, I think this has been, this has been a hard year for a lot of people on a lot of levels. And um, it was really neat because people were talking about this vaccine as a lot more than just a shot. Um, It was, it it was allowing people to sort of imagine a future of doing the things that they've missed and being with people that they've missed. Um, so I would say the predominant feeling was was relief. Um, there was a lot of just marvel at the process, <laughs> um, but I think people have been waiting a long time for for these vaccines, and they're ready to get back to normal life. 
All right, Dana, well, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the team. We're so glad to have you here. Thanks. It's been a really fun uh, start. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week. This podcast is possible because of the Oklahomans subscribers. We encourage you to subscribe if you can. You can read these stories and more every day in the Oklahoman and at oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode.